This is the podcast of the California Institute of Integral Studies, where we bring you conversations and lectures from our public program series, featuring world-renowned scholars, leaders, authors, artists, and thinkers. To make sure you never miss an episode of the CIIS Public Programs Podcast, find us and subscribe on iTunes or on our website at ciis.edu slash podcast. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, I'm so excited about this conversation. Um, I've been a fan of your work for many years, and um, rereading it again, I realize how much the work um, just brings me back to my senses and to the textures of language and the beauty of poetry, and also sort of to my my political ethical senses as well um, with the project you're engaged in. Um, and so for, for those of you who haven't, much of Lely's book is a response to the official apology made to Native Americans in 2009. Um, and whereas the title sort of comes from that language of the apology, whereas blah, 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 whereas blah, 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 we resolve blah, 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 blah. Um, so it's a very just thoughtful engagement with that, with that history and a very powerful engagement. Um, and so to start off the evening, uh, we thought that we could begin with Laylee reading a few poems um, from the book. Yeah, and then we'll dive into a conversation. So, yeah. I think we're going to have two occasions that I'll read. But um, for this first uh, portion, I'm going to read from the first part of my book titled, uh, These Being the Concerns. And I'm going to read uh, <clears throat> from a, a piece called Vaporative. And it's actually eight, I think it's like eight pages long. So I'm going not going to read the whole piece. I'm going to read an excerpt, the first five uh, sections of it. Evaporative. However a light may come through evaporative, glass pane or dry dermis <clears throat> of hand winter bent, I follow that light capacity that I have, cup-sized capture, snap-like seizure, I remember small is less to forget, less to carry. Tiny gears, mini armature. I gun the spark light. I blink, I blink at me to look at me in light. I look twice and I eye a light again. When I want to write seriously, I think of people like Digi, for whom I wrote a long poem, for whom I revised, until the poem forgot its way back. Troubled, I let it go when 
You love something, let it go. If it returns, be a good mother. Father, welcome the poem, open-armed. Pull out the frying pan, grease it, coat it, prepare a meal. Apron and kitchen sweat labor. My love, my sleeves pushed to elbows like the old days, a sack of flour and keys, I push them. Typography and hotcakes work. Seduce a poem into believing. I can home it. I can provide it. White, gravy, whatever the craving. Poem, eat and lie down full. Poem, rest here full. Don't lift a single etter. Strange how lying on this side works, yet on my back I grieve, and turning to my left, I rewind to a child's world, so I return back over to the first position of poesis, prenascent page, before any material thing makes. In this right side piece, I work most. Nights I greet open-eyed, delicate pronunciations like thank you, I thank the empty room. I still my body, I work hard not to slip a centimeter in dark work, not to interrupt my own conversation. I move my mouth as if silently reading, as if a beginner or courting friendship, careful holding to my chest, small gifts, tight three-letter words in three-word phrases. I welcome in the new new. Promise, if I read you what I wrote bare, in mind I wrote it down only so that I remember. Example. I have always wanted opaque to mean see-through, transparent. I'm disheartened to learn it means the opposite. Why this instinct to assign a definition based on sound? Opaque. I interpret O. Open. P. Soft, A, airplane or directional flight, K, cut through, translating to that which is or allows air, airy, 
penetrating light transparency. To say, you don't fool me for a second, you're opaque. To say, I'm partial to opaque objects, I delight in luminosity. To say, I'm interested in this painting on glass, brightly opaque. I understand the need to define as a need for stability, that I and you can be things standing understood among each other. One word can be a poem, believe it. One word can destroy a poem, dare I. Say I am writing to penetrate the opaque, but I confuse it too often. I negotiate instinct when a word of lightful meaning flips under, buries me in the work of blankets. I'm going to read another piece. Actually, I don't know if I can't remember reading this for a very long time. So, this is actually one of um, the older pieces in my book. We can talk about that more later. Um, it's titled Wakalapi. Wakalapi. One, a word commonly used for coffee. Hey, I have coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite beverage. <laughs> Two, formally meaning anything that is boiled, as in to boil the white collars, to boil the, to boil the binding in desire to loosen, as in the day as it blows will boil stiff trees, as in the boiling blood, what was not soft, traces a way through muscle to face as in the muscle that boiled away from the gristle, as in the pot with the white collars and gristle, as in a boiling pot over which you are bent, you are watching, as in it will stir in your head as roots of a tree, as in the tree beneath which you left something buried, as it preferred to be buried than the fury of boiling, or the rabbit they caught, the rabbit they boiled, as in the rabbit that came nightly, the jaw of your yard, as in the dinner you ate, the rabbit bone gnawed, as in the boiling blood you never do see, as in oleanders grown over a chain-link fence, where roots of a tree and oleander mix. Boiled and boiled in a stew, the collars and rabbits and fort 
rabbits in a tree, as in the rabbit in a cage outside in the sun, as in the heat as it boiled, the rabbit was dead, as in the checks and bank statements, mama boiled in the kitchen, as in the riddance of debt, a ceremony, a boiling, as in money was numbers, we would eat and not waste. As in two rabbits, you remember, boiled that summer. One that was caught, the other helpless in black fur. Your black pet rabbit, you forgot to move to the shade. As in you cried in your room, child, how could you forget? As in the shade that was grace, that was oleander waves. As in the bubbles in water, what comes from this boiling? As in something so light, now bloodless beneath. Thank you. Yeah. Thank That's you. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> so I love the um just the incantatory nature of that you know that last poem you read and um and the way that with language, you sort of get underneath language and you redefine words and you find new meanings for words and you associate and you riff mm -hmm. and you play and um, there's such energy there. It feels like the mind moving on the page or watching thinking happen, watching feeling happen. And um, that's some of my favorite poetry. Mm -hmm. um, this is like the sort of, you know, typical process question, but how do you do that? <laughs> how do you make that magic? Um, what are the conditions that, that make that happen? Especially in the first section of the book, there's so much of that beautiful um, sort of meditative association happening and play with language. Um, and the second part of the book sort of moves into a more formal place in a way, but um, if you could talk a little bit about how that happens for you. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Sure. Well, I can start, we'll start with the last piece I just read, but then we can maybe move into the other piece that I read, um, because that one is definitely more uh, a piece about process itself, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, but Wakalapi... Um, so actually, I, when I was uh, in undergrad, that's one of my oldest pieces mm -hmm. from undergrad. And um, I did a series of what I call dictionary poems. And so I did a few pieces working with Lakota language. And uh, I am not a speaker. I'm a learner of Lakota. And um, so some, I used to really work with our language just because I wanted to come closer to it, you know, and think about it. So anyway, I just started off with this little word, wakalapi, because it's coffee and that is my favorite thing. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to just, and speaking of which, 
um, that reminds me of sort of um, a turning point in my writing when I, this probably sounds so basic, but I realized I needed to enjoy what mm. I was writing too. Like I needed to enjoy it and I wanted to, um, I began kind of writing both as a writer and a reader. So I wanted to write something that was delightful, mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. So, and of course that delightful means something different to everybody. But um, So I wanted to write about something that I would love to read, <laughs> which was coffee, right? <laughs> so I started there. But of course in our language, um, you know, well, we, there's actually different words that are used for coffee, but this particular word um, means um, something that is boiled or boiling. And um, because coffee was not uh, really, you know, um, long ago indigenous to the Plains area, so it's something that was fairly new. So they named it by how you prepare it, right? Um, but I just went from there, mm. from the actual um, mean. It's coffee, but it's that that idea of boiling. I began there, mm. and um, that was really the intent. Is um, in some of those dictionary pieces, as I call them, um, just to be able to, as you said, to um, create associations. But I want to say also, I think, just allowing the language allowing the language to take you where it, it wants to go. I mean, I don't I know that might sound weird, but I feel like the language wants you, wants you to do something too. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a relationship. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you're holding your hands together with the the language and and there's kind of um it's leading you as well. So, I wanted it to take me um somewhere else besides the dictionary. And I wanted myself to be surprised what came out. And like in that piece in particular, I don't know how I ended up with these two black rabbits. But <laughs> that's where I went, mm -hmm. so <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. That so. sense of surprise, yeah. So again, in delight, I love coming back to surprise and delight. Um, I think you talk. You have a line in one of your poems. I am trans. I am. Tra I am transformed by language. I am often crouched in footnote or blazing in title, mm. um, and um, that sort of speaks to that. You know, you're sort of in this relationship with language, mm. and it's leading you somewhere, and you you change mm. at the end of that journey, and and maybe the language changes, and also your readers change too. Mm. Um, I wonder if you could speak a little more about that that line being transformed by language and how that works for you. Oh, that particular line. Okay. <laughs> that particular line, I can see where it could be about language in general, but that particular line was a little subversive, I think, mm -hmm. too. Uh, I was kind of pointing... Of course, that, that comes from the second part of the book, which is addressing this national document and the positioning of Native people and so on. So I think that that was really what I was aiming at in that the idea of um, 
we're either in these big, um, yeah, these big headlines, these big titles, or we're barely seen, we're mm-hmm. the tiny script at the bottom, right? Um, so mm-hmm. I want to mention something, but I don't know if it's bad to say. Let me think. How can I word <laughs> it? <laughs> Do you know that poem by uh, Vivi Francis? Say it, say it any way you can. <laughs> Everyone, go Google that poem tonight. Um, I love that as a prompt for all of us. Say it, say it any way you can. So anyways, we hope, we invite you to say it. Yes. Yeah. So I'll say this, mm-hmm. but um, I also want to, um, well, as I say it, I don't want to sound ungrateful or unappreciative, but this is an example of maybe what I'm talking about in that line. So um, my book came out this year, as you know. So I've had a few sort of interviews or what have you. And not all, but um, there have been a few um, inter- articles or interviews published where, um, you know, they'll have this big title at the top of the article but it never, it, it won't say, this is this has happened several times. It won't actually say my name. Mm. It'll just say Native American poet. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and these are prominent, mm-hmm. um, you know, sources. And so on one hand, I'll be like, oh, yay, you know, look, there's um, this article published. And then, you know, the title will be like, oh, I don't have a name. I have a, only a... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this, yeah, a designation, exactly, perfect. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's always tricky to explain why that would be important to me, um, having my name there, because it's not a matter of um, calling attention to myself specifically, but I think um, in erasing the specific person, you are suddenly assigning them to to represent a whole group, right? Which is uh, just so dangerous, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm always so trying to be so careful of, mm-hmm. you know, especially in this work, and maybe the very thing that I'm addressing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, uh, mm. it was it was like kind of things like that that I that. That particular line you mentioned mm-hmm. was kind of getting at. Yeah. yeah, we talked a little bit about that as we were preparing. I think, um, I think as a poet, I'll get that as well. The mm-hmm. Asian American poet, and maybe a lot of poets of color, mm-hmm. um, get designated mm-hmm. first before. Um, that's there's always. I was. I read. I think I read those articles, and mm-hmm. I was preparing for this conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. um, and I noticed the way that um, the first or second line it names mm-hmm. it. It sort of that naming happens and that um, designation that classification and it is almost like a double or triple erasure sort of happening and um, I wondered you know too thinking about um, the sort of success of your book and your you know the National Book Award nomination and and we we talked a little bit about this before but um, this the publicness of doing poetry in this way how do you how do you do that dance you know I think mm. for us poets we're such private people mm. in need of such solitude you know mm. and um, how I'm just asking sort of for myself mm-hmm. too like what are your ways of 
dancing with that or, mm-hmm. or you know, coping or being with that, all of that, that peace. Yeah. I don't know if I, if I were to give myself a grade, I would be getting maybe a C minus uh-huh. right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so what I mean is, um, for example, I recently had to um, just get off social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I needed uh, mental space and time. I just, I really need that place to be quiet and calm. So that is one thing. The other thing I'm in regards to the book and the thing, the the pace that has picked up, you know, um, I just cannot deal. I can't do all the emails, so I just don't do them. <laughs> and I know that's Great. bad. <laughs> it's really bad, mm. but I can't. I'm one person, and I'm. The reason that um, these poems came to exist in this book is because I write and I move at a slower, more methodical pace. Mm -hmm. And that's just who I am. Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I am getting probably C minus or D plus right now. (laughs) So I'm sorry (laughs) to everybody. (laughs) But that slow, methodical pace, I think, you know, kind of segueing into the second part of the book. Um, yeah, I feel like it's this antidote to the headline culture and the social media culture we live in. It's like we talk, you know, it's, it's it's like such nourishment to poetry is such a balm in those ways. Um, and it's so fascinating because you are working so closely to official government documents, especially mm-hmm. in the second section and um, to do, to be in relationship, you know, with, with this official language, mm-hmm. but to make it your own and to disfigure it, you know, Kathy Park Hong talks about that disfiguring and energizing mm-hmm. uh, language is just um, quite powerful. Um, so I thought maybe if you could read a few poems from the second second yeah. part now, then we can talk a little bit sure. about them. Yeah. How are we doing on time? Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see here. So I'm going to read from the second part of the book, and which is also the title of the book, Whereas. And uh, I'm just going to start off with a little introduction in case there are people that um, um, would like to know about the, the National Apology to Native Americans. <clears throat> Um, On Saturday, December 19th, 2009, President Barack Obama signed the Congressional Resolution of Apology to Native Americans. No tribal leaders or official representatives were invited to witness and receive the apology on behalf of tribal nations. Senator, uh, excuse me, President Obama never read the apology aloud publicly. Although, for the record, uh, Senator Brownback, five months later, read the apology to a gathering of five tribal leaders. Though there are more than 560 federally recognized tribes in the U.S., 
the apology was then folded into a larger, unrelated piece of legislation called the 2010 Defense Appropriations Act. Um, my response is directed to the apology's delivery as well as the language, crafting, and arrangement of the written document. Um, in this piece, I'm, there's a direct quote. When I say quote, I'm do air quotes here. Uh, this is a quote from the actual apology. Um, and um, on that note, you can find the apology online, I think at congress.gov, if you're interested. Uh, so. Whereas my eyes land on the shoreline of, quote, the arrival of Europeans in North America opened a new chapter in the history of Native peoples. Because in others, I hate the act of laughing when hurt, injured, or in cases of danger, that bitter hiding. My daughter picks up new habits from friends. She'd been running, tripped, slid on knees and palms onto asphalt. They carried her into the kitchen. She just fell, she's bleeding. Deep red streams down her arms and legs, trails on white tile. I looked at her face. A smile quivered her. A laugh, a nervous. Doing as her friends do, she braved new behavior, feigned a grin. I couldn't name it, but I could spot it. Stop, my girl. If you're hurting, cry. Like that, she let it out. A flood from living room to bathroom. Then a soft water pour. I washed carefully, light touch, clean cotton to bandage. I faced her, I reminded. In our home, in our family, we are ourselves. Real feelings be true. Yet I'm serious when I say I laugh reading the phrase, quote, opened, opened a new chapter. I can't help my body. I shake. The realization that it took this phrase to show my daughter's quiver isn't new, but a deep practice, very old, she's watching me. Here's another quote 
directly from the document, so. Whereas, I query my uneasiness with the statement, quote, Native peoples are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I shift in my seat a needle in my back. Though unalienable, their rights I cannot legally claim if placed within a whereas statement. Meaning, whatever comes after the word whereas and before the semicolon in a congressional document falls short of legal grounds, is never cause to sue the government, the government's courts say. Whereas I remember that abstractions such as life, liberty, and happiness rarely serve a poem. So I have learned it best not to engage these terms anyway. Yet, I smash head on into this specific differentiation. The creator versus their creator. Whereas this alters my concern entirely, how do I language a collision arrived at through separation? When in doubt, I'm told, write what I know. So I peel my eye to the moment, my love of it. I wake from a dream about running. I interpret as the desire to get there. Pulling back my bed sheets, I teeter down the hall to the face of a new clock in the bathroom mirror. I say, you're old enough now to look at yourself full on. Whereas I set aside interrogation to see that I cannot. Syntax or poem, the creator, nor differentiate one creator from another creator, much less. That is, mine from theirs, theirs from ours, or why a creator split. At the mirror, who can? Oh my gosh, time goes so quickly. All right, I have one more, and then we'll have a little talk. How'd that happen? Okay. Whereas, I read an article in the New York Times about the federal sequestration of funds from reservation programs, the cuts in federal promises and treaties. The article details living conditions on reservations, a suicide rate 10 times higher 
than the rest of the country. Therein, the story of a 12-year-old girl whose mother died. She doesn't know her father. She bounces home to home to foster home, weary. I regard how plainly the writer imparts her repeated sexual abuse for mental care, unavailable services. There's a clinic that doesn't have money after May. Don't get sick after May is the important message. As I read, I cry. I always cry. And here, I must be clear, my crying doesn't indicate sadness. Then I read a comment posted below the online article. And this article can be still found. It's still online if you Google it or what have you. I am a 14-year-old girl who recently visited the reservation in South Dakota with my youth group. The conditions the Native American people were living in were shocking. When I arrived home, I wrote a petition on whitehouse.gov for the US to formally apologize and pay reparations to the Native American people. This petition only stays up until July 23rd, so please sign and share. Yours, you signing it would really mean a lot to a lot of people. Thank you. Dear 14-year-old girl, I want to write. The government has already formally apologized to Native American people on behalf of the plural you, your youth group, your mother and father, your best friends and their families, you as in all American citizens. You didn't know that, I know. Yet indeed, dear girl, the conditions on reservations have changed since the apology, meaning the apology has been followed by budget sequestration. In common terms, sequestration is removal, banishment, or exile. In law speak, it means seizure for safekeeping, but changed in federal budgeting to mean subject to cuts, best as I can understand it. Dear girl, I went to the Indian Health Services to fix a tooth, a complicated pain. Indian health care is guaranteed by treaty, but at the clinic, limited funds don't allow treatment beyond a filling. The solution offered, pull it. Under pliers, masks, and clinical lights, a tooth that could have been saved was placed in my palm to hold 
after sequestration. Dear girl, I honor your response and action. I do. Yet the root of reparation is repair. My tooth will not grow back. The root gone. Thank you. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about the the power and the um, uh, lack of power of an apology. I think we've talked a little bit about our communities and. I write a lot about the Japanese American community and the incarceration um, during World War II and the reparations and repair and apologies that were made and how the trauma and the legacies of um, that, that trauma are still being healed or trying to be healed. Mm -hmm. um, so I wonder, yeah, how for yourself um, do you turn towards this history, these histories, these legacies, um, does the poetry transmute something? Does it transform? Does it give you a new energy? Do you just crumble under the weight of it sometimes? How do you take care of yourself? Mm. Yeah, any of that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I think um, the first thing is that you know, part of my approach is not to crumble under the weight and to realize that I cannot, as one person, uh, you know, pick up that huge boulder or that huge massive thing, the events or what have you, on my own. And I can't address all of it within a poem. I can't even address all of it within 28, as I wrote <laughs> here in this section. Uh, so I think, first of all, there's that awareness that maybe there's only particular little pieces um, at a time that I'm, I'm capable or prepared to do within, let's say, a poem. Um, or, on, on the other hand, let's say um, I wrote a piece um, titled 38, in which I addressed um, the hanging of 38 Dakota um, men um, under the presidency of Abraham Lincoln, under his orders. Um, and that, I, that piece took me a really long time to write. And I, and I um, built it line by line. So it actually took me a few years. And um, in that, and it, ended up being a six-page piece. So in that, I did do my very best to address that event in, in its wholeness, if, mm -hmm. if it was possible. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these other um, pieces uh, in the whereas section, I think, I'll admit, I feel like I, I approached them almost the, way, the same way I did, let's say, Wakalapi, to be quite honest. I, I'll have a begin point but I think I, I like to be fair to the poem and say I don't really know what's going to happen here, you know. Uh, and I, I want to 
I want to see myself what is revealed. I don't start a piece saying, this is the point I want to make. <laughs> I don't think that's fair to myself. I don't think it's fair. Otherwise, I sh as we were saying, I should just write an essay, right? I should start with a thesis and then prove it and then end with a conclusion. So um, I think in many ways with those, the, uh, in the, uh, like even with working the, with the congressional document, this governmental language, I still employ some of the, the tools that I use in all of my poems, you know, which is to allow whatever needs to happen, will, you know, mm -hmm. allow that it will happen, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, well, maybe you could close with one more poem for us. Uh, I'm going to close with this piece um, I usually close most of my readings with. And it's a resolution two. So just very quickly, I structured my response to that national apology. I mirrored the structure of that apology. So if you go online and read it, you will see that it's structured in three parts. So the first part is what's called the whereas statements. And there's 20 whereas statements. So I wrote 20 of my own, 20 whereas pieces. And then it has seven resolutions, the second part. And so I wrote seven of my own. And then it concludes with two disclaimers at the end of it, basically saying, now that we've said all this, you can't uh, take us to court. Uh, so I did the same. Um, and I had two disclaimers to the book, mm -hmm. but... <clears throat> So this, th this is from the resolution section, and this is number two. I commend this land and this land honor this land, native, this land, peoples, this land, for this land, the, this land, thousands, this land, of this land, years, this land, that, this land, they, this land, have this land, stewarded this land, and this land protected this 
land. This land, this land, this land, this land, this land, this, this. Thank you. You've been listening to the podcast for CIIS Public Programs and Performances. Audio production was supervised by Lyle Barrere at Desired Effect. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe on iTunes or visit our website, ciis.edu slash podcast.